Welcome back to the Refugee Report. This is an update episode on the humanitarian situation in Ukraine. Since our last post, a lot has happened. There has been a massive invasion, countless violations of international law, and an enormous refugee crisis unseen in Europe since World War II. But before listening to this episode, we ask that you listen to our original episode on the situation in Ukraine. This covers the region's extensive history and describes the situation before this year's invasion. Also, the following audio and information may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. When the last episode was published, the conflict was primarily contained in the far eastern section of Ukraine. The conflict was mainly fought between Ukrainian militias and Russian separatists. Today, the conflict has become a full-scale war. Under the guise of a military drill, Vladimir Putin began sending hundreds of thousands of troops to the Ukrainian border and nearby Belarus in late 2021. Many Western countries gained intelligence that this was an effort to prepare for a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Vladimir Putin vehemently denied that these were his intentions, and many world leaders cautioned Putin against any further escalatory moves. Despite this, on February 24, 2022, a full-scale invasion of Ukraine began. It was unprovoked. But this is what Russian President Vladimir Putin unleashed on Ukraine. As the sun came up this morning, a missile striking an industrial park in western Ukraine. A helicopter assault on an airport outside of Kiev. Close, intense fighting. And there are civilian casualties. Local officials say this apartment building was struck in eastern Ukraine. Heartbreaking images of people, bloodied, staggering out of their homes. Western countries and leaders have overwhelmingly condemned Russia's actions in Ukraine. This led to strict sanctions on Russia and a greater supply of weapons being sent to Ukraine. From the United Nations to NATO, much of the Western world is standing strong against Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The most forceful response so far, an unprecedented decision to kick most Russian banks out of an international banking system and plans to restrict the country's central bank. U.S. and European allies also plan to begin targeting Russian oligarchs with ties to President Vladimir Putin, who shield his wealth in offshore accounts, real estate, and even yachts. In addition, numerous foreigners have gone to the country to fight on behalf of Ukraine. Some of these people have Ukrainian roots and already speak Ukrainian. Others have simply joined because they believe in the cause. However, this is an extremely dangerous choice, and many, when imprisoned, are tortured. When Vladimir Putin initially invaded Ukraine, he thought that the country would succumb to his military pressure almost immediately. In actuality, the country fiercely fought back and kept the Russians at bay, much to the surprise of the rest of the world. When making this assumption, Putin did not consider that his military was poorly trained for such an invasion. So, having learned this lesson, the nature of the war has changed. The Russians have now pivoted their strategy to focus on the Donbass region in the east of Ukraine. This shrinks the border on which they're invading, and it is a region where Russian separatists have already been fighting for years. Rather than sending in high numbers of troops at once, the Russians have slowly been shelling small villages until they succumb to Russian forces. Now, possibly due to this change in strategy, around 200 Ukrainian soldiers are dying every day fighting off the Russian offensive. This shift in strategy could cause another long-lasting stalemate. 
However, one constant throughout this invasion has been the atrocities and war crimes committed against Ukrainians. Russian soldiers have been accused of human rights crimes, including murder, rape, and looting of civilians and their property. Civilians describe watching their neighbors being rounded up, put on their knees, and executed at point-blank during the Russian occupation of certain territories. Many villagers throughout rural Ukraine have described being forced into basements by Russian soldiers for weeks in degrading conditions. These people were exposed to poor sanitation and sexual abuse. They describe having to use buckets as toilets. Some became incredibly ill and died from their illnesses while in Russian care. Those captured and imprisoned by the Russians describe multiple forms of torture, including electric shocks and psychological torture, such as mock executions. Many human rights crimes have only been able to come to light since territory north of Kyiv was liberated. Listen to this ABC reporter describe the scene in a suburb around Kyiv. Authorities here telling us more than 400 people were killed. Streets littered with bodies. Civilians look to have been executed in the streets. This man, hands bound behind his back. Another appears to have been shot while riding his bicycle. This, a small bag of groceries beside another victim. What threat did he pose? As terrible as these images are, what we were shown next, even worse. In the basement of this building, in which Russian forces looked to have squatted for weeks. I'm going to stand here talking to you. I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five bodies in this tiny room in this basement where Ukrainians say people have been tortured and I can see their hands behind their backs. It is a truly apocalyptic scene. It's just absolutely horrific in here. And this is what Ukraine says is happening across this country. Russia has tonight denied responsibility for this, calling these images staged, but we saw the reality up close. It is important to emphasize that, no matter what Vladimir Putin says, all parties involved are subject to the laws and regulations of the Geneva Convention. This means that Russia has the responsibility to investigate these instances impartially. This, however, is incredibly unlikely. Many Ukrainians have been forced to flee their homes for reasons like this. The United Nations initially estimated that about 4 million Ukrainians would become refugees due to an invasion. However, since the start of the invasion, around 8.8 .8 million refugees have crossed the border and left Ukraine to seek refuge elsewhere. About 5.6 million of these Ukrainians have sought refuge in countries around Europe. Most Ukrainian refugees have fled to countries like Russia, Poland, Moldova, Romania, Slovakia, Hungary, and Belarus. Most of those who sought refuge in Russia were from the eastern region of Ukraine. However, there are accusations that President Vladimir Putin forced Ukrainians in Mariupol to come to Russia. The European Union has passed an order that automatically allows Ukrainians to stay and work within member countries. They can also access medical care, housing, and educational resources. Poland and Moldova, countries that have felt the refugee crisis the most, have requested further assistance in addressing the needs of refugees. These two countries already faced economic and housing issues before the crisis. Therefore, these countries still need greater support in helping these refugees. People are returning to Ukraine, but there aren't definitive statistics about this. However, it is believed that large portions of people are returning to areas surrounding Kyiv. Over 7.1 million people are internally displaced within Ukraine. Remaining or returning to Ukraine still poses major risks. Many of these atrocities are ongoing in certain parts of the country. Even regions distanced from the war zone are still vulnerable to missile strikes on civilian areas. 
In addition, an aspect of this refugee crisis that is often not discussed is the number of Russian refugees. Tens of thousands of Russians have fled Russia since the start of the war, largely due to political repression and free speech issues. For example, calling the war in Ukraine a war is an offense that is punishable by up to 15 years in prison. Many have gone to neighboring Georgia, which has been the victim of Russian aggression. Here, Georgians feel frustrated that Russians feel as though they need safe refuge. Many Russians have been able to go to Georgia since Russia has a visa agreement that allows them to travel there. This is because Russian travel is a critical element of Georgia's economy and provides them millions of dollars. Many Georgians are frustrated at their government's lack of sanctions on Russia. However, many Georgian politicians fear that such actions may provoke Russia to attack their already vulnerable nation. All of this has produced a humanitarian disaster of global proportions. Some of you may be wondering why we waited so long to do an update episode on a crisis of this size. Our delay in posting from the start of the invasion was actually purposeful. One of the primary goals of the Refugee Report is to bring forgotten and overlooked refugee crises back into popular discourse. When the invasion began, there was intense news coverage and an outpouring of humanitarian support. Countless communities and families opened their doors to Ukrainian refugees. In addition, there was a huge increase in the information available about the refugee crisis. The UNHCR's data portal now has a detailed section outlining the information about the refugee crisis. However, in recent weeks, the situation in Ukraine has slowly dissipated from the mainstream news cycle. Social media chatter about the situation has steadily decreased as well. Despite this, we must maintain all the efforts to provide aid to the region. It's important to remember that there are two categories of problems when solving a refugee crisis. The first set of problems is the short-term issues. These include ensuring refugees have food, water, shelter, sanitation, and refuge from violence. Fundraising for this is actually easier since there is intense focus on a conflict when it starts. The countless fundraising and humanitarian efforts during the first few months following the invasion of Ukraine showed this. The second group is the long-term issues. These include finding jobs, permanent residences, educational resources, and settling refugees into a foreign country. This group of problems is much harder to solve and it takes a lot of patience. The ultimate goal of this episode is to remind the public that humanitarian efforts must be continued over time. This is the only way to ensure a sustainable solution to this refugee crisis. There are numerous ways you can do this. To start, you can consistently donate to an organization on the ground helping Ukrainian refugees. In this episode, we would like to recommend the Polish Migration Forum. This organization is providing the critical long-term care that I described. They provide Ukrainian refugees with lawyers, adult and child psychologists, integration advisors, and economic development specialists. Their link will be in the description of this episode. While we do recommend this organization, it is important to do research before spending your own money. That concludes this episode of The Refugee Report. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow us on Instagram at WartimeAid for additional information about refugee crises around the world. Tune in next time for a special episode on the Darien Gap. As always, thank you for listening.